data, artificial intelligence, the metaverse, crypto and Web3, and quantum computing are just a few of the technology innovations that are changing the way we live, work, and experience the universe. I am your host, Ganesh Padmanabhan, and this is Stories in AI, a podcast where we explore the various facets of technologies like AI, its impact on individuals, organizations, and the society. You will hear from a variety of experts and practitioners, their personal stories, their best practices, and advice to put technology to work. I hope you enjoy this engaging conversations. Now, before we begin, a note about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Experian, whom you may know as the Consumer Credit Bureau, but they are at heart a data company. When you're buying a car or home, sending your kids to college, or borrowing to grow your business, Experian is most likely helping you behind the scenes. They unlock the power of data to make better decisions, get access to financial services, and to prevent crime, unlocking a whole world of opportunities for individuals and organizations. Find out more at Experian.com. In today's episode, I speak with Chandu Nair. Chandu is the Vice President Product and Technology and leads omni-channel marketing and customer engagement at Loaves Incorporated, the home retailer. Chandu has an amazing background. He's been in startups, he's been in retail for 20 plus years, and he's actually seen the entire evolution of e-commerce as a primary mode of doing business. And today he shares with us a lot of his experiences, both at Loaves, but also before that, in how the evolution of the customer in a post-COVID era is demanding brands and organizations to really rethink about how do you meet the customer at the right place, at the right time, and understand their intent and deliver them value. Um, and you know, it was a great discussion. Chandu also shared a lot of this lessons working across large organizations to go make this happen. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Chandu, welcome to Stories in AI. How are you today? Hey, I'm, I'm good, Ganesh, and thank you for inviting me over. I've always been a fan of Stories in AI, and uh, you know, uh, it's a privilege to be part of it. No, it's, it's, uh, I'm grateful that you actually could find time in between getting infected with COVID and moving and you know, big jobs and everything going on. So thanks so much for taking the time. Why don't you get started with, uh, give us your life story, you know, Talk about your background a little bit. Let the audience get a view of what's your background, what shaped it, and to got you to where you are today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Well, you know, so um, just like most folks on, uh, from southern part of India, you know, uh, grew up, um, you know, learning computers uh, and picked up my computer engineering degree and landed on a software engineering job. You know, that's where I started. But, you know, luckily it was on a very... Uh, very small startup kind of ecosystem we were building out at that time what would be we didn't know at that time what would be powering up you know the back end for core big e-commerce platforms okay this was early 2000s um, so start so definitely come from an engineering background that's where I started and um, that company went through uh, multiple acquisitions you know obviously uh, you know was part of uh, Infosys at the start uh, but it kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of go do uh, consult and implement this in large retailers so Purely by luck is kind of how I landed in the retail ecosystem. And I've been there for the last uh, 20 years. 
uh, with various roles. I've, uh, you know, from being uh, an engineer to a consultant to an architect uh, and management side of things to, uh, you know, product management, um, kind of the big thing in terms of, you know, with digital native companies coming into play. So uh, I took into more of a product role uh, when I uh, switched to Staples, uh, I would say about this point, probably about, you know, 14, 15 years ago. I'm aging myself here a little wow. bit. Um, but, but you know, it's been a phenomenal journey. I spent about 10 years of my retail career there. I've seen kind of the ups and downs of, uh, you know, uh, the office supplies industry, if you will, and, uh, and Staples. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, took a took moved into product, moved into core ecom, running the the core ecom strategy and the business side of things. Uh, but always have been a you know, uh, I like to I like to kind of look at myself as a connector. I like to connect the dots where you know where you have gaps in customer journeys and what the customers are looking for. Uh, whether that is through looking at data, whether that is looking at uh, experiences, looking at uh, actually speaking to the customers, if you will. Um, and then, you know, um, took a break, uh, took, uh, you know, um, started doing, you know, the startup bug did catch me uh, again. Uh, so I okay. went on to kind of build another startup on data analytics space um, and also had a consulting uh, gig. I've been very close to the Boston startup ecosystem right from, you know, the, my time at, at Staples and I moved to Boston. What that did was, you know, um, looking at a lot of startups coming out of Boston. Boston is a great ecosystem. Um, Staples at that time it also kind of engaged me for looking at uh, startups, both from a M&A perspective, also from strategic partnerships perspective. Uh, so the bug is uh, literally did bite me hard. So uh, yeah. you know that I started a you know small syndicated fund, you know, to to look into the, start, the startup ecosystem. Had a startup on the side. Uh, through kind of that work, you know, uh, landed in an uh, uh, in, in engagement with, uh, with Lowe's and uh, one thing led to another, you know, found an opportunity to, uh, uh, I would say, build startups, with, you know, within a very large company and, you know, a hundred year old, you know, company undergoing digital transformation. And that's where I am. I'm heading up uh, our customer engagement and marketing products and technology at Lowe's. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a great journey. Uh, but, you know, always keep learning, always listening to uh, what the customers are, uh, are saying, always uh, listening to the technology landscape. Um, that's why I listen to stories in AI, because I get to hear from a lot of leaders that's and awesome. their perspectives and how they look at it. No, no, thank you. And I love how you described yourself. You're a connector of sorts, right? Like connecting the dots. And I liked how you actually brought it back to the with your retail and omnichannel experience connecting the dots in the customer journey to make that experience really solid, right? And it's pretty amazing, right? You know, we we you know we had the e-commerce boom and then we had COVID and we had the bigger e-commerce omni-channel boom, right? Because it truly became omni-channel post-COVID because, you know, the the I think the big thing in my view, what happened with COVID was the dislocation of where the economic activity is, which was the physical or geographic location is, right? People started working remote and, you know, when you're like a, you know, a large retailer and, you know, store is important, but online and the omni-channel experience across the two become became even more important, right, post-COVID. So uh, I want to explore a, a little bit of that evolution of the uh, the e-commerce the e in general, but also just the, the future of multi-channel, omni-channel kind of commerce, right, so with you. So why don't you, you know, from your vantage point, you're in this amazing place. And by the way, like, you know, you're, you're it's fun, you actually describe your background, what you do and stuff. And uh, it's a little nuance that I noticed, which I think the audience would appreciate, right? You're, you're, you're responsible for data and infrastructure and technology, right? But then you're like, 
look, it's all about the customer experience. And those are just building blocks that you need to actually support that experience. That came through when you were actually even describing what you do. So pretty amazing. But explore a little bit for me uh, the future of this, you know, e-commerce. I mean, where are we today and what is different from and like, we, we, we all know what we're reading the news and stuff, but someone is looking at it, understanding customers at a great level. Uh, explore that for me. What's the future of e-commerce? Yeah, hey, it's a great question. Now, I, I don't, you know, I'm going to maybe kind of predict my thoughts into here. It's, you know, we'll, we'll see how this plays out over the next sure. uh, five years. So, uh, you know, if you think about, you know, um, uh, digital native e-commerce play like Amazon coming into play like very uh, you know early 2000s. I mean, a lot of the retailers didn't really see uh, you know digital native companies as a big threat, and suddenly you know the realization hit you know kind of I would say you know, mid to late 2000s, and it's like oh we got a problem, right? <laughs> um, and and yep. it really boiled down to the convenience factor that um, that you know any of these you know digital native players brought into the equation. Um, the in what retailers started doing, you know, in general, was to kind of say, "Hey, should I just go and create that model?" Yeah. And I think that's and that led to a lot of the, you know, uh, you sit back in, um, uh, you know, retail conferences from 2000s. You'll hear omni-channel, multi-channel, like that has been a journey. It still yeah. comes up almost every 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 conference. You can't kind of stay out of there. But the real yep. way, to, in my perspective, to look at it is really like. Uh, you know, where is the customer? How do you meet the customer where they are, right? I mean, and, and if you look at the customer and the customer of the future, if you will, they're going to value, uh, they look, they'll look at a few things. One is, you know, am I getting value? Is there, how convenient is it for me to, to get what I need or solve my problem? And then uh, are you respecting my privacy, right? That is going to be a big, big factor. And I'm going to anchor in a little bit on that because that's going to change the way, not just from a technology standpoint, like how, you know, how shopping and commerce will evolve. Uh, and that, you know, becomes the ingredients for a true, um, you know, a hybrid commerce, you know, or, or you know, an omni-channel kind of way of thinking. Um, and, and pandemic actually kind of created that shift. If you, if you think about it, uh, I mean, that shift was always happening. And when suddenly you don't have access to physical world because of obvious, you know, health considerations and whatnot, we suddenly realize a lot of that can be digitized and you can access, you know, those things. And uh, there's behavior shifts that happen in the, in the customer and the consumer base, which is going to, some of that is going to stay, right? So now the digital world, the, the, the successful companies um, in the space to me are the ones that would always uh, find right balance of having the right physical and the, uh, and the, and the digital experience. And, and with those three things I said, like, how do you uh, how do you make sure that the customer feels like they get the value that they're looking for? Uh, are we solving their problem? How convenient is it to solve the problem? And are you respecting their data and privacy, which is the underlying factor of everything? So, so, so in, in our world, like Lowe's world, I mean, it's always been a you know a, a very hybrid journey. If you think about how you do home improvement projects, so you just talked about me. I had a big recent move to Charlotte from Boston. Uh, and I, a ton of home projects happening in the new home where I just landed in. And, and when you think about it, so I'm kind of eating my own dog food, right? But for Lowe's, you know, how, do, how does each of these shopping journey and experiences work through? Yep. So if you, if you think about a home improvement journey or if you walk into a Lowe's store for the most part, uh, it's very different than walking into a Target store and, you know, your most yep. question would be, hey, can you help me find Melcorp where produces or some product to find? 
you walk into a low store, it's, it's, it would be like, hey, can you help me fix my leaky faucet? Like, what do I need to do to, to do it? So it's really uh, yeah. a problem that you need to solve. And you think about it, you look through that, you know, question and our associates are phenomenal. They, they have the, you know, their expertise in the space is what we are proud of, right? And that, that is part of the core culture and core anchor point of the company. So, so if you think about that, that could lead into a, you know, it, the real project that the customer is trying to do is could be actually upgrading their bathroom and that thing. And how do you yeah. help them upgrade that bathroom all the way from inspiration of, you know, like looking at how the bathroom should look like, the, uh, the expertise that is needed and that journey. So, Every you know vertical within kind of the retail industry will go through that evolution, but to me the core three indicators of uh, value, convenience, and privacy uh, is going to be uh, yeah. you know whoever kind of kind of kind of finds that right balance is gonna is gonna take the lead. No, it's it's pretty awesome, and I think you know, I want to just um, uh, uh, rephrase it for my understanding. Right, one as you said, like you started out saying, it's about. The, the customer of the future, not so much retail, future of retail, not so much future of home, home improvement. It's about the customer of the uh, future, really, I think, connected with me and, and meeting the customer where they are in the journey, right? And I can only imagine, like, you know, an average, like you go to a Target, you're looking for products, right? And but when you walk into, like you said, a Lowe's or a Home Depot, you're trying to actually solve a problem. Right, I got to fix my leaking faucet. Is I'm not looking for a faucet. I'm looking to fix my leaking faucet. Right, so I think it's, it kind of um, I can only imagine from a data and customer experience perspective, it adds a dimension to that challenge. Now the good news is, like you mentioned, you have your associates, right, which who are knowledgeable or on the ground. So even the way you would shape probably solutions to address and assist these customers. It's going to be how do you empower the associates to do a better job? How do you still not lose the human touch? I think it's a fascinating, you know, um, uh, data problem or AI problem that I'm actually interested in. But I, I don't want to lose the, the the three points you mentioned, which is like, how do you provide value in every interaction that you have with the customer, right? Be it helping them solve a problem to finding a product to, you know, finding the nearest store to find a product. How do you make sure that you balance their privacy and needs of, you know, owning and managing their their customer data? Um, and then, you know, how, like you said, how do you actually empower that at a place that they are, right? You know, meeting them where they are. So pretty awesome. So um, how is Lowe's looking at it from us? So one question is like, so home improvement, you know, completely the meaning of that completely changed. People are spending more time at home. You know, retail, uh, real estate prices are through the roof around the country. So people are doing more stuff inside. What's that dynamic like in that space? And what's what do you see as a future of home home improvement? Or, you know, um, yeah, give, give us a view of the, the industry view of the land. No, I, I, absolutely. I think, I think you know, like I said, the, the pandemic did create that tailwind for us, right? For, uh, and like you said, I mean, you're spending so much time in your home. So the home is the place where you have your gym, where you, your office is, yep. you're entertaining people at home, right? So a lot of that created that, you know, the, you know people are, and plus, obviously, the home prices are increasing. So it's a, it's a great asset to continue to invest in, right? So so all of that yep. factors are, 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 have created that tailwind. And now for us, and it has, it, you know, and the other important part, you know, when you look at this landscape is that emotional connection everyone has with their home, 
right? So there is the ongoing maintenance uh, of a home, but there is also the emotional connection. There is more you want to do. You're raising your family, and every time you have a kid, you want to do something in your house to make it. You know, you have a new member in your family. So, so all of those aspects yep. are there. From, from our perspective, while we expect some of the the tailwinds to shift, you know, as as you know, as COVID kind of goes away, and, and you know, uh, there was all kinds of questions on the the economy and all that stuff happening, but. We do still feel, you know, uh, fairly confident about, you know, people and their investment in their houses and 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 yep. their ongoing need to and their emotional connection with the house continuing to make investments in their house uh, to uh, to be there uh, very candidly and and not just because and I, I, I like I said I've worked in you know obviously uh, the apparel industry I've worked in the office supplies industry and I've, I've, I've looked at the home improvement industry I mean. Yep. It's, it's it's very different dynamics that I've seen across these industries, you know, and you you know it's hard to compare because they sure. are very different. Uh, but what I've seen is, you know, in in the home improvement industry in our in our base, you obviously have uh, what we call as our DIY customers, people who do their projects, or and then you have your professional or pro customers who are the contractors that you hire when you, you know, if you're like me, you know, I have very limited DIY skills. So I look for some pro co- pros to come and help me yeah, do stuff. Right. So, so you cater to, the, to, to those and we can see the dynamics of both, you know, kind of continuing to, um, make further and further investments in the, in, in the home, in the home market, if you will. And, and, and the other aspect of it is also, you see a lot of millennials now wanting to get into obviously buying their first home. Like I said, think about the customer of the future. Like if you're a millennial, you got to think about now how to manage your home, how to, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very different generation now starting to be a homeowner. Uh, And, you know, the real, uh, you know, aspect for us is how do we help them be that and continue to have that emotional connection with their home? And how does Lowe's become part of that? How does Lowe's be top of mind when, when they think about their home? That's, that's really kind of our, uh, uh, our approach and our, our our challenge really so no it's it's you know it's awesome i was telling you know all you have to do is just make people get married because my wife has like 16 projects that she's lined up and said okay we need to do all this thing right because we're not going anywhere we're staying at home so uh but but now it's fascinating how you say i think the home improvement market is it's it's like i, I believe like you know outside in view it's like we moved from Home improvement was all about just home repairs at a time, right? It was like fixing what is broken, right? So now saying like it becomes, you know, over the last, the the aesthetic revolution, if you will, that happened over the last 10 years or so is you're just moving that from a saying it's it's an expression that you're doing when you're improving homes and making changes. It's uh, this whole notion of how do you actually do more with less and you're trying to add more capacity, comfort, kind of capability into this home things too. And then the other, the the classic driver for companies like Lowe's and uh, and and uh, uh, you know Home Depot and stuff. One was construction because it's always you know all time high. We're still doing it. Lumber supply chain aside, right? But that's a big thing. And then the other part of this is like hobbyists, right? There's a lot of hobbyists that just with COVID, everybody have a lot more time and they're going to start doing a lot more. I think it's like you guys have just tailwinds. And I was just looking like you're you're. You, when you when you compare to the declines that we've had on the tech stocks compared to like you know the home improvement retail, you're like just twenty percent down from six months ago. That's pretty amazing, right? So definitely a resilient market and you know future growth in there. Um, let's shift into some examples of value creation using data and AI. I mean, you guys. I mean, you and I earlier when you talked, you talked about so many different projects that you guys were doing. Would love for you to share some of those examples of how you 
you know, apply data and AI for in a retail omnichannel environment for loaves and share those stories. No, absolutely, Ganesh, and, and and thank you. I think the the you know you talked about you know uh, uh, you know you, you paraphrase what I was saying in terms of like you walk into the store and the associate kind of helping you. So think about understanding the intent of the customer, right, from what they're asking, you know, that leaky faucet kind of thing, to what are they really looking for. Now, I'll take that simple back to, you know, our digital world and put an example of how we want to think about it and how we think about it and some of the things we have done, which is just think about, you know, just the search, you know, you come to loves.com and try to search for a product. Um, and most of the searches can be that same question. So how do I get, you know, the knowledge graph of every associate that they can answer to the intent that the customer has and capture that and respond to that so that we're really helping the customer on, you know, can you help me with that leaky faucet problem versus, you know, uh, just searching for a leaky or, or a faucet to find, right? So, yep. so so, so, those are some of the things that we, we, we are doing differently when you think about just simple things as search in e-commerce world, right? Understanding uh, intent, uh, yeah. Uh, understanding intent, like leveraging AI and, and kind of deep learning techniques and the word, you know, uh, uh, that's just one. And think about, you know, um, yeah, voice and visual search because uh, home is very visual. Yep. People like to kind of see, you know, how things work. Uh, we recently launched Measure Your Space through our app where you can, you know, uh, because a lot of times, uh, how frustrating is it when you have to go to a store and you want to, you know, kind of look at different things to be put in your store, whether that is your, let's say, patio furniture. But, you know, you're not exactly, you haven't had the measurement there, and, uh, right? So how, or how does it actually, you know, look in that space? Uh, can I use AI? Can I use uh, AOR to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, uh, to have the customer feel that? So because that is actually reducing the number of trips, the hassles. And we used to do it before where with projects to be taken and you know, customers still have to have, you know, 10, 10 or 12 trips to, you know, complete that whole project. So how can I reduce it? How can it make it convenient? And sometimes the value is not really around, you know, the the the, the price itself. It's really about the convenience that also is, that, that is brought into it. Right? Yeah. So, so, so that's, you know, some of the examples that we, you know, that we're looking at. And then, you know, in terms of, uh, it talked about the privacy and the customer data. So we, we really want to, uh, the other angle that we are looking at is uh, we want to be really, you know, instead of trying to figure out about Ganesh, you as a customer through uh, through third-party ways of finding about you, we want to ask you about it. We want to then keep it, pri- you, know, you know, in a privacy-safe place so that it's only between Lowe's and you. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, give you recommendations to help you with your bathroom project rather than asking somebody outside yep. the market to understand about you, right? I mean, and, and I think that is going to be the, the some of the privacy laws and changes that is coming in. So we are fully gearing ourselves to do that. So I... Kind of know, uh, you know, you you, know, you you prefer LG brands, I mean, for a reason for in your specific yep. space. So I can now uh, know that next time you're coming in, you don't have to start from scratch. You know, it is a continuation yep. from the last time you had the conversation with Lowe's. Now, you have some ways to get there, but that is the, that, that is the, that is, you know, some of the thinking and the approach and how we're applying a lot of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, kind of core data principles and AI, you know, um, uh, on top to help with it. And, and, and just to kind of keep it simple and aligned to the, the overall business strategy and where the customer is going is super key. Yeah, I think that's where some people get lost because it's a lot of shiny objects on AI that you can go after. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's, I'm just, we're just anchoring to, you know, I think the value, the convenience and the, and the privacy aspect from a customer perspective. No, it's it's actually interesting. Um, like one thing I I do have, like you're, it's 
you're not a brand new company, not a digitally native company that was just born yesterday, right? So you have a lot of legacy systems, a lot of historic data, a lot of different, you know, uh, interaction points like point of sale systems to, you know, knowledge that's in people's heads in the in the floor. Um, how do you know for your AI journey, if you will, for Lowe's, did you all have to step back and get, you know, spend a couple of years getting your data, master data in place? And did you have to go through a whole, you know, exercise to get the foundation in place before you started? Or just give me a view of how you guys approached it. What I was saying was from a data perspective, it was a similar story. And, you know, um, the, so there was a lot of infrastructure in place, but we had to make sure that our basic data principles are in place. Like, you know, um, yep. what are the core data assets, cataloging those data assets and making it available? How do you democratize some of the data so that people start trusting this data? And and the AI layer is kind of sitting on that on that framework so you can create. Now, it, it, it's not like a big bang approach. You're not like saying, oh, let's wait for yep. the whole thing to, to be done so you can start creating value, right? So it was a very agile, iterative approach. So there were areas, that, like I said, we are locked in saying, hey, like some of the search example or you know some of the uh, the, the the voice you know uh, voice search example that I was yeah. talking about so we started unlocking you know where where were the, the data assets were clean and, and and good to go we started unlocking those some areas were much harder obviously because there was you know, I, I wouldn't even go to specifics yeah. but you know we had to, we had to pull there was initiatives where we had to pull data from thousands of databases to one place so it's it's not like we had lack of wow. data we had a lot of data in fact, surprisingly, a lot of data, and then clean up that data, catalog them in the right way, and 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 make it available for the organization first, uh, and and you know and really kind of help it help the you know data drive some of the strategy. So we so that's that's really kind of how we approach it, and and I think the uh, the bells and whistles of AI are are you know uh, are always there, you know, which I think uh, will continue to be there. Some of that will become mainstream, but. Uh, I, I still go back to, are we truly solving a customer problem uh, yep. that's there? And if it is not, I mean, it just becomes like a, a fancy project, which is, you know, which, you know, I think there is the, the there is the momentum and the hype and the interest from as a geek, you know, we all like to geek out, right? So, uh, yep. so we, you kind of have to find the balance of where it is like, you know, kind of leading the way we want to test a few things out there, which is kind of, kind of the way the market is leading to, but the core premise is really, is it solving the the fundamental customer problem? Um, so we, you know, awesome. in a way, in a way, platforms productizing it and what products are solving what customer problem. Having a good OKR based framework to solve those uh, customer problems is is really you know the simple way of putting it. I guess. That's awesome. You know, like I, you know, in fact, you 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 touched upon so many interesting things there. Like what, but definitely the the the, the high headline there is like. Well, make sure you're solving a problem that either increases, in your case, increases convenience, you know, access, uh, and then respects their privacy, right? Or it gives them value, if you will. Um, so makes a lot of sense. And the last thing which you mentioned was also how you think about platforms and then products on that platforms that actually then go solve a problem and going from that experimentation to find out they can actually solve a problem and you're adding value to now productionizing it, right? One of the challenges that, you know, everybody, you know, in the industry they're facing is with AI, especially it's a multi-person team sport, right? It's AI and it's just not one thing. You don't hire a bunch of AI engineers to go make things happen, right? You don't worry about your product manager, your customer experience designer, your, you know, um, your business units, you know, who are actually uh, talking through this, your IT teams, uh, the, the whole 
infrastructure around it and stuff too. What are some of the lessons when you guys, when you're part of this digital transformation journey at Lopes, what are some of the organizational lessons, right? How do you set teams up? How do you operate? How do you get buy-in? You know, give me a flavor for that. I think that's something, I mean, the audience would love to know that, right? How does a company like Lowe's manage this? Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that is a big critical part. I think, you know, we could almost say digital transformation is more a cultural transformation, right? So that's because just technology or the underpinnings or AI is not going to really move the needle. You know, it's always a people process technology, uh, you know, aspect of the transformation that, that really moves the needle. And so, so some of the things, you know, I'll, I'll hit upon a couple of learnings. There's been a lot of learnings, some the hard way, some, you know, much more easier or, you know, obviously with guidance from some of the, some, some of my peers or mentors or whatnot. Uh, but, but some, some of the hard lessons are, you know, uh, when you have, uh, you know, when you start organizing and change the foundation layers, like you said, like, you know, as you change the foundation, you start, you start seeing there is a, lot of low-hanging fruits and a lot of upside with these low-hanging fruits. So how do we make sure that we have a common framework to uh, prioritize and measure uh, the objectivity around each of these is a, it will be a challenge, you know, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a a typical environment. Um, So we had to work across the organization to set up, like I said, a Nokia framework, you know, it came all the way from right from the top from our CEO, from Marvin, Uh, and then kind of instilling that across the organization. So we know like as we make the right kind of investments, technology, people process wise, it is driving, uh, you know, real customer value and, you know, real, uh, you know, business growth through that process, right? So, so that was definitely a top, top down approach that we had that, that, that was cascading. So those are some of the learnings as, as we evolved. Uh, it, it changes all aspects of the, the fabric. I mean, right from the way the planning happens to the, to the way, you know, uh, you know, your, your capital allocation happens to the way execution of initiatives happen to the way you're measuring and doing things, right? And, and, and also, the, you know, uh, like I said, and, uh, the other way is look, look we can't really uh, we have 300,000 associates across our store network that is really day in day out helping our customers uh, and they are a big part of anything that we do so you uh, it's important to bring people along the journey uh, who are you know who are actually interacting with our customers day in day they, they have much mm-hmm. more insights about our customers believe it or not than most technologies out, that can be out there sometimes right so because they're very close to their customers they see them day to day they see their pain points they're addressing their pain points yep. so so bringing those folks along and also having like a a strong change management a good communication process so that it's it's if you want to be truly omnichannel yeah i mean just just lighting up everything digitally you know and turning the switch on is is not a good way to approach it because it'll get very little adoption uh, so bringing everybody along and that's why it's a very important cultural transformation and and incentivizing behaviors across the company uh, to uh, to be on the channel uh, is 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 a is a big way to uh, you know to drive that change and accelerate that change so those are you know those are some of the some of my lessons, you know, uh, from from here and my past life as well. I mean, it's it's a uh, like I said, and some of them are hard learnings, and some of them are uh, uh, you know kind of the easier ones. A hard one, I'll say, you know, several years ago in you know in uh, one of my previous gigs, um, uh, we were one of the early uh, companies to do uh, buy online, pick up in store, and I was so thrilled about launching that online. You know, we went in, we placed a few set of orders. The first few orders came in. 
I walked into the, you know, so we had a small group of, you know, folks, you know, that walked into the store uh, and, you know, to see how the experience was because we wanted to see how the customer was doing it. And, you know, the customers came in, picked up the product and, and the store manager was all good. I mean, packed everything. It was all good. And then he just t- turned the screen, you know, to me, it was a green screen. I still remember it. And it's like, hey, that, 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 that store didn't, you know, that sale didn't make it in my, my books. You know, so so his point is like, okay, well, you know, look, I invested time and my 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 labor in, in that store, to, you know, to make this happen, but I'm not incentivized to do it in any ways, right? So sure. so it is a big part of like, you know, so you suddenly have to think now they are part of the solution. You can't keep them outside that yeah. solution, right? So that is a you know just to kind of put it as a tactical example. I thought I'll I'll share that. No, no, it's fascinating. I think, you know, like, especially with technologies like AI, right, where you're trying to mimic a cognitive function that people would otherwise do with automation, right? There's always that human aspect of, uh, you know, how do you make sure you get their trust in the process? How do you incentivize them to actually be part of the solution and so forth? Especially for like, you know, you're, you're, yes, you're in a home improvement business, but you're in a people business with 300,000 people, right? So it's, it's first... Um, it's very, very critical. I, you know, I, I, as you know, I, I have a, um, uh, we, we have a healthcare company, healthcare tech company. And one of the things that we always constantly ask ourselves is when you start working with the clinicians who are looking at data automated through state-of-the-art natural language and so forth, like an LP and ML systems and stuff, they're trying to answer the simple questions. They're trying to say, look, can I trust this data that, you know, you haven't changed it in the process of actually moving from the electronic medical record to this couple of sentences or a summary that I see um, do Can I, is this going to make my job easier or is it going to make it more harder because I'm never going to trust that data. So, so all these things that you have to worry about that, you know, I think the, I, I had uh, Deeraj Pandey, the, uh, the founder of Nutanix on the show last week. And uh, he was talking about like, you know, AI and design are two sides of the same coin, right? So machine learning and design, one is about salt. It's the math. The design is the part that actually is the, the you know, if, if you look at left brain, right brain kind of thing, design is about making it adoptable, making it easy to consume and changing the experience and so forth. And you got to get both right. You can't just have one right, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that is a, you, you, you know, you, you sparked a thought that I thought I'd, I'll share, which has always been there. So if you think about product management's evolution, you always have to have product marketing and adoption there. But when you think about yep. AI-based products, I would almost start with an adoption path. And, and then design the product around that uh, to your exact true, product, right? Because because it, most people don't understand, you know, unlike unless you know they're geeks like us that are on NLP and NLU and what we're doing and all of that, and they're not interested. They it is all Greek and Latin, and it doesn't really matter <laughs> uh, to them. So 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 then, how do you bring adoption to uh, uh, to these core folks who are really the drivers behind, you know? The, the customer value add that, that that's happening, you know, through whatever we're doing. And, and when, when it's that hybrid kind of, kind of situation, how do we bring that in is, is really, you know, kind of the, the critical part Part of all that you got to think about. And it's a very different way of looking at product management in a, for AI and probably like all future product management when you think about it. Yeah. So yeah, you just spot that. Awesome. So the one question I have is like, uh, you know, were, I think post-COVID, the one thing that happened was the equation changed, right? People used to live their life offline, right, in the physical world. And then all of a sudden, you know, COVID happens. And now we all literally spend more time online than we do offline, right? 
Um, and that changes the whole thing. And there's the evolution of, you know, thank you, Facebook, for giving us the, uh, the, the driving the promotion of the topic, which is the metaverse, right? I think, but, but I do believe like the having that virtual worlds and this hybrid physical digital worlds, if you will, and like online universe, if you will, the metaverse can substantially improve the experience that you were talking about, the access that you were talking about and so forth. What are your thoughts on it? What are your plans around the metaverse? And, you know, just give give me a, a lay of the land, how you see that technology. I mean, is that anything new? Is that, you know, old old wine and new bottle? Like, give me a view of the land. No, I think I think it is it, it is going to be a new and different world that all of us will have to go through. And I, I probably shy away from the specifics of what we're trying to do. We've got some interesting ideas. Um, sure. But, but I'll share kind of my perspective on, you know, kind of metaverse. And, um, look, we talked about the customer of the future, which is... Uh, a lot of the young kids, you know, my, you know, you, you have a kid, you know, I have a young kid, you know, they all grow up in a very different world where digital is their first world in a way. Um, and, and if you yep. think about, you know, the first adopters of metaverse is going to be a lot of the gamers who are out there, right? So they, they live in that world and you can see some of the, I mean, the adoption and what, what's there. So if you truly are going to say, hey, we're going to meet the customer where they are, where are the customers going to be in the future? Uh, it's, it's a simple way to look at it, right? So, and, and, and it could be, a, you know, some sort of, it, there's a potential of some form of metaverse, you know, being there. And I think it will be there. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, now, the, the, the challenge for all of us who sit in the real world, which is the current world and all the things that is real around us, is how do you parse between the hype and, and the reality of anything that is new that is coming up, right? So and sure. how do you balance your investments in people capital around each of these things, right? So, and, and there is, you yeah. talked about experimentation, how do you test and experiment different things? So I think you will see a lot of, um, you know, experimentation happening, you know, uh, in the marketing media world, there's a lot of metaverse experimentation happening with brands. You can see there's a lot of ideas around, you know, um, uh, you know what I would call as, uh, uh, loyalty in, in that kind of space, you know, leveraging metaverse to, you know, reward members and whatnot that I've seen in the industry, right? So uh, now uh, our our thought process, again, like what's customer problem are we going to solve and do we meet the, you know, is our customer base currently in that world? That's the first question you got to ask. And if it is, you know, uh, what do we need to do for them now? Is our customer of the future being in that world and that what should our footprint be? Uh, and then that will go down to, you uh, yeah. How do you make the, your investments in the infrastructure part of these new digital world versus the, you know, the application layer or the hype layer, I would call it, of this. Right? So, so most times when you have such paradigm shifts happening in technology, uh, which is what where we are between metaverse and a lot of the Web3 and, yep. and, and aspects of it. It, it, like and, yeah. we may have to start making our investments in some of those core infrastructure that is leading to it. So you have the flexibility when it scales up to be in that space quicker and experiment quick in that space. So that's just kind of my general thinking. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it's a fascinating space for me. And it's a, it's a topic by itself uh, that we can go on and on. Uh, can I just... Yeah, we'll, uh, maybe we'll come back and do that again in a future show when you guys are ready to talk about the plans in the Absolutely. metaverse. But I, I do believe like I'm a proud investor in a company called Superworld. And they're trying to bring, uh, bring you know, how do you bring the physical world and your what you own and think and feel um, and and uh, uh, and want to promote into the virtual. They're kind of the gateway to the metaverse, if you will. So they're doing fantastic, and and how they're actually really creating a community more than anything of people who want to take 
the physical world onto an online experience, if you will. So it's fascinating. Uh, Chandu, this has been so fascinating. Thank you for sharing, you know, all the different aspects, everything from how you see the world and how, you know, the future of the future customer, not just the future of retail and home, home improvement, to talking specifics on the projects and examples that you did to the organizational, um, you know, structure and, and, and processes that probably help you drive these digital transformation at scale. This has been a fascinating discussion. Where can the viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Where can they find you on the internet? Oh, absolutely. Hey, first off, thank you again for welcoming me. Like I said, it's uh, been a fanboy of uh, Stories in AI and, uh, ha you know, happy to share my thoughts and perspectives. Uh, it was a great discussion. Definitely happy to come back and do uh, something more metaverse when we are ready. Uh, I will check out Superworld, by the way. Uh, and, uh, you you know, should, that yeah. Is definitely an area of interest for me. We should be exchanging notes on a lot of, uh, you know, some of these investments on syndication of these investments, for sure. Uh, but look, I think uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, you know, uh, Chandulan, I can post uh, the link, you know, I'll, or I can share that with you, Ganesh, so you can post it. Yep. Uh, or at, in Twitter at, uh, at NAIR, Chandu, my first name, so you will find me there as well. But hey, I think, you know, uh, but always, you know, if you have questions, reach out to me through that. I'm always uh, looking for like-minded people to have chats with, and Ganesh has been, a, is, has been great, and we've had multiple conversations over coffee and whatnot around, around this stuff, but you know, we got to meet up sometime, you know, maybe in Charlotte or Austin. Now that yes, IRL. Yes, we got to meet up IRL for sure. Yes. <laughs> Chandu, thanks so much for taking the time. I Thank really you. appreciate it. Yeah. Had a blast. Likewise. Thank you again. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, I encourage you to do three things. Number one, share with your friends and family. If someone else can learn from this, get inspired and take action, they need to. Number two, subscribe so you do not miss a single episode. You can do it at your favorite podcast location or at youtube.com. Number three, let me know if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for me or my guests. And check out storiesinai.com to access show notes and more resources. Thank you for listening. See you next time.